Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Andrew Musgrove here. I'm joined by our very own Jordan Gibson. And we're going to look ahead to the Chelsea game on Monday night. And unfortunately for Newcastle United, it, it comes with some bad news because we knew Callum Wilson was going to miss this game because we saw him go off against Southampton in the first half. But the news, John, that he could miss, he will miss at least six weeks. Steve Bruce said today between six and eight weeks is bad news, isn't it? It's devastating for Newcastle United. Oh, horrendous news. I think when we started the season, we all said that the major worry we had with Newcastle United was if Callum Wilson ever got injured. Ironically, right at the start of the season, we had Rubavka injured and we thought that was going to be pretty dodgy, but uh, Carl Dallos really stepped up to the plate and did very, very well. I don't think we've got that quality of substitute waiting to take over from Wilson. And um, the Wilson blow is a killer because we've been looking for a centre-forward who scores goals for such a long time. We look as if we've got a one. What we were then worried about is getting the right support from him. And now we haven't got him. And for a significant spell... uh, so that is the killer news. Yes, Manquillo's injured and Shaw's injured. And when you have players long-term, it isn't good. But the one that's going to be really effective is Callum Wilson. You can't underestimate how important he's been to Newcastle. I mean, I haven't done the summers myself, but I imagine if you take away his goals, Newcastle oh. will be probably in the relegation zone. He's been an absolute brilliant buy. And I mean, like you say, we've waited for a striker of his quality for many, many years, we had Rondon, but he was never ours. So we've waited for a striker we can call our own. He's proved to be worth every penny Newcastle have paid. And unfortunately, he's now going to be out until April. And those wins, John, against Everton, against Southampton, are looking oh, even more crucial now. Absolutely. And, and which he played a significant part. I mean, he was wonderful at Everton. Um He's very, very important to the way we play, to keeping the ball in the final third of the field because we have enough problem getting up there. And just as Newcastle seem to have come out the share and be doing a lot more uh, in terms of getting up the field and attacking, we get a, a killer blow like this and he will be missed ginormously. And he'll be missed for two reasons. He'll be missed for his own qualities and he will be missed because of the the lack of real quality of possible um, replacements from him. So he's going to be missed on on two fronts. And as I say, I think we can get round the Manquillo and Shaw situation at the back, but there's no easy way around the number nine situation. We'll get on to Cher Manquillo in a moment. More bad news there. But Steve Bruce in his press conference today, said on his forward options, and I quote, it's for anybody to step up. We all know what Dwight Gale is capable of, so we hope he stays well. The same goes for Joe Linton and Andy Carroll. They're big boots to fill, but there's an opportunity. 
Now, he's not wrong on Dwight Gale. We know that he's a good goal scorer, but he's struggled to really show it consistently in the Premier League. He's succumbed to injuries far too often. We know Steve Bruce likes him. I like him. I'm sure, John, you might be a bit of a fan. Newcastle United fans like him. And what we all want is to see Dwight Gale do it on a consistent basis. Many actually felt he should have come on for Wilson in the first half against Southampton. It was Joe Linton instead. Can Dwight Gale step up? Can Dwight Gale replace Callum Wilson? Well, somebody's got to. And uh, when, I, when I pick who I would have it, it's not because I think he's anywhere near as good as Wilson, but the best option open to us. And for me, that that is Dwight Gale. I mean, it's it's interesting that we say we know that he's rated by Steve Bruce because Steve Bruce has said it himself and said he's tried to sign him three times at three other clubs, etc., etc. And he said in the press conference that he hopes he keeps fit because we all know what he can do. Well, the one person that seems as if he doesn't know what he can do is Steve Bruce because since he scored the winning goal against West Brom when he went on as a sub, we won 2-1 and he got the winner. We we then went into that horrifically long run without a win, didn't we? You know, nine, ten games. And he never started one solitary game during that run. Having scored the winner against West Brom, he hasn't started a solitary single Premier League game this season. Now, when you consider Newcastle's lack of goals... Uh, consistently this season outside of Callum Wilson, that's a startling fact that he hasn't started a goal. Now, again, now there's no doubt that if uh, Callum is out for seven or eight weeks, that the t- Gale will get his turn because um, if others fail, we'll, they'll eventually have to turn to him. But it's staggering, and fans haven't been able to. Fans are saying, why? And that is a very good question, why we haven't turned to Gale before now. And the only thought can be that there's something happening in training with Gale's uh, contract up at the end of the season. Uh, Is his attitude right? Has he had a standoff with the manager and, and therefore is not getting to start? But, I mean, that is baffling for me because if you take the the people that are left to go in like uh, Gale and Andy Carroll and Joe Linton, the three obvious ones, then by far the, the, the most natural goal scorer of those three is Gale. And yet, as I say, he hasn't started. I find that baffling. And at the moment, if I had to put in somebody on Monday um, to play in Wilson's position, it would be Gale. Because I think the way Newcastle are trying to play at the moment, Andrew, with the, and, and get up the field quicker and use Almiron as a terrific number nine, have Willock coming up to support from the middle of the park, having some maximum back and available to start, I think Gale would fit into that pattern better than the big lads uh, and therefore play him. But... Um, to be brutally truthful, I'm not holding my breath that he will start on Monday night. I think his chance will come on the law of averages. But I, I think it's much more likely that we'll see Joe Linton start on Monday night. Well, that was my next point. We said it was baffling, you know, that he hasn't, that Gale hasn't really been given a chance. But equally baffling, and this is a point for a point that's been discussed many times, is that the fact that we're not instantly saying 
the forty million pound striker with the number nine on the back of his shirt should be replacing Callum Wilson. Mm. Well, not at all. I mean, you know, this is what I'm talking about about how um, you know we've got such limited options where. Kyle Darlow was a different situation with the goalkeeping backup. He come in and really rose to the occasion. Have we got anybody that's going to rise to the occasion in the same way? And, I, you know, I would think not. Joe Linton has proved that whatever he is, he's not a goal-scoring number nine, which is what he's supposed to be at 40 million and number nine on his back. Uh, he is infinitely not that. Uh, I mean, Andy Carroll, bless him, is a wrecking ball, but um, a one-paced wrecking ball. And at the stage of his career now, where I think injuries have taken such a toll on him that he, he can frighten people to death with his physicality as a centre-forward, but he's not going to get on the pitch very quickly. And he doesn't score goals anymore in the way that he used to. I mean... Going off with a wild tangent, uh, Andrew, and uh, thinking of all sorts of possibilities, I've only flirted with the thought and, and, and not, not anything else. But how about playing um, Ryan Fraser together with uh, Miggy Almiron and Alan Sam Maximum in a very fluid front three, interchanging because of their. Um, uh, their work rate, because of their, their pace, because of the the threat they can give to uh, defenders who would not like defend against them. And my mind goes back for thinking that to when we had uh, Kevin Keegan, Peter Beardsley and Chris Waddle uh, back in the day as the front three for Newcastle who won, won us promotion when uh, Kevin spent two years up here as a player and there wasn't an orthodox number nine in that in that front three, but it was very effective. And it was just a passing thought that amused me that could St. Maximum, Almiron and Fraser be that in the current situation. It's an interesting suggestion. You could even throw maybe Elliot Arneson into the mix as well. I've seen a few people on social media say, why not give the, the young lad a chance? I know you spoke to his... His granddad and he was proud Indeed, of his punch. Indeed, I did. Yes. After the Indeed, Arsenal I did. Game. And I mean, he's not a striker, obviously, um, but he's a very, very bright young lad, and I think he's going to have a terrific future at Newcastle United. Uh, your first thought, isn't it, that with Joe Willock arriving, that was one step back in the pecking order for young Anderson temporarily. I'm, I'm I isn't to suggest. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the great things that, if the many great things that come out of the Southampton match and has give us all fresh hope, I think, was San Maximum starting for the first time since November, and we were very much reminded in the first half there before the pitch got unplayable and before we started losing players like Confetti, that San Maximum the input he can have was huge. Almiron has never played better. I mean, does he run? He, he covers more ground than more fellow in a match. These days, he's found his perfect position in number 10. He's not a wide player. He doesn't uh, do well on the wings because he's hemmed in on one side and he wants to cut in all the time. And then we come to Joe Willock who made his debut, scored and provided what we all hoped he would provide, which is something different. We, we we're so same, same, same 
in midfield handle with with centre midfield with everybody much of a muchness. He is so much different. He box to box player. Um, as he proved, he'll arrive late in the penalty area and defenders hate that. And he is good at that and that's how he scored his goal. And then, yeah, he's only 21, but he, he's give us an extra dimension and that gives us an extra lift. And isn't it a sadness when we're thinking of Alan Mewen, San Maximum and Willock that we should lose Wilson at this stage instead of having the four of them and giving us a real hope for the second half of the season. I mean, Steve Bruce must just be sitting there with his head in his hands just thinking, what next? Because obviously he's had Alan St. Maxman out with COVID and then he's Jamal LaSalle has been in and out of the team with injury. Ryan Fraser's never been fully fit. It always seems, seems to be one thing after another for Steve Bruce. But looking at the positives, you know, he got that win against Southampton. It showed the players were fighting not just for the club, but for him, you know. Many players potentially could have laid down and just accepted the inevitable that with nine men the other opposition are going to score but they put everything on the line for Steve Bruce and the three points and there's a platform to build on even with Callum Wilson missing for the next couple of months yeah yeah because you've got to get on with it I mean the injuries are part and parcel um, of the game I mean you you look at how injuries decimated Liverpool in their defence of the title once we asked Van Dijk and put the midfield players into the back to become a different side. When Vardy goes out at, at Leicester, they become a different side. Arsenal once Aubameyang starts stop scoring goals, how much have they suffered? And you know, everybody's going to suffer by getting bad injuries at some time, and Newcastle are no exception to that. But that's why you have a squad and not a team. And um, I think, you know, that we can cope with the injuries at the back for Monday, for example, uh, Manquillo and Shaw. And I know Shaw's got an awful lot of supporters amongst supporters uh, because his ability to step out the back with the ball. But you know, if we've got Lascelles and Fernandez on the verge of coming back and both are said to have a chance for Monday and we've already got Clark coming back because he, he wasn't out with an injury of the last game and Dummett is hopefully fit again. He come on and did very, very well on the left side of the back. Uh, so we can get by it's centre-half, although I honestly believe in the long term it, it's an absolute imperative must that we sign a central defender in the summer because for all we've got all these people and for all they can produce good performances overall, each and every one of them's got a mistake in them and that mistake costs us goals normally. And we've let 38 goals in. There's only uh, Crystal Palace and, and West Brom that's let more goals in this season so we've got a problem at the back in this with a goalkeeper who's been saving everything as Dubrovka did last season so we have got 
a consistent problem at the centre-half position, and it must be addressed in the summer. It ought to have been addressed in January, and they tried to with Rob Holden, but they didn't pull that off and didn't get anybody else. But I think we can handle the Shaw situation. Manquillo is a shame because he, in my opinion, is our best right-back. Certainly better than Kraft, certainly better than uh, Yedlin before Yedlin went off to Turkey. So that is a problem, but I think we can handle it better than we can handle Wilson. So we're not quite as bad off as it all sounds, Wilson apart, because I'm hopeful with Lascelles, Fernandez, Clark and Dummett, uh, all sort of back in the running, that we can get Hayden moved back into midfield to play in the position where Hendrick can't play because he's suspended. And um, Hayden's one of those a bit like uh, Henderson at uh, Liverpool. When you take him out of midfield and put him in the back, he'll do a good job in the back, but you often miss him in midfield. And then I'd be happy to see we'll be able to play two centre-halves from the numbers we talked about and play Hayden in the middle of the park. I do not want Steve Bruce to go back to a five using the excuse of not having Wilson or just we're playing away against a good team. Oh dear, we better defend. Please don't go back to a five. Please continue to play the way we played at Everton and home to Southampton and play with a fat back four. Manquillo out for six weeks, share out for a bit longer, at least eight weeks so yeah. it'll be, it is a blow, but like you say, the numbers are coming back, and and, and fingers crossed, Fernandez and Lascelles uh, are able yeah. to play on Monday. Touch and go was what Steve Bruce said. It's interesting that you mentioned there the January market and how they should have looked to maybe add to the defence in January. Many people wanted to see another striker come in. The argument was, yeah. well, Callum Wilson is is fit, he's on form. Who? Yeah. Who? who Who's going to come in if they're in the same bracket as Callum Wilson? They want to, they're going to be wanting to play first team football. But who's going to come in and sit on the bench at that level, watching Callum Wilson grab the goals? Because if Callum Wilson's on form and he's fit, he's not going to get dropped. So that was the yeah. argument. And, and and yes, here we are, eleven days after the yep. the transfer windows close, and and Newcastle are lacking a striker. No disrespect to Joe Linton or Dwight Gale or Andy Carroll, but lacking a striker who's in the same league as Callum Wilson. Well, that's absolutely true. And um, I don't think that excuse uh, held up. I mean, I think we should have got a centre-half, and we've got about five of them, on, in theory, on paper. But I mean, and it's obvious the club thought we should have a centre-half, otherwise they wouldn't have tried to get Rob Holding, uh, who they couldn't get. Um, and as far as forwards concerned, we have played... Um, Carroll alongside Wilson, etc. So any centre-forward you got would not automatically be out of the side because Wilson was in the side because we don't have to play with just one there. I mean, at the moment, we were spreading it into a three with uh, Wilson and San Maxman and Miggy, aren't we? The second striker could have easily got into the team and stayed in the team and it would be very easy to get him to come here because he would just say to him well look at all the goals we're not scoring look at how many goals individuals have got apart from Wilson and if you score goals you will get into this side and we just had a look with the total respect you've talked about of what is our backup Gail Gail um, Carroll and Joe Linton and you immediately think there's no goals there 
So we did need another striker. They are harder to get. I accept that because, um, yeah, and particularly in January window, but we must have been able to get somebody that would be a goal-scoring improvement on what we had as backup to Wilson. Mm, you would think so. So we'll just quickly look at the, the potential team for Monday before we get on to Chelsea. So you would yeah. think Kraft would come in at right back. Let's say the central defenders managed to make it back, Fernandez and Lascelles. Who would be in the centre there? Would it be Fernandez and Clark for you or would it be Lascelles and Fernandez? Who would who would take the spot there? Yeah, it, it, it's a very good question and I don't think eventually uh, Andrew would have come down to choice because I think we'll probably find that you would never risk Lascelles and Fernandez as a pairing because if they're both doubtful, you wouldn't risk starting the, the, the two of them. And I think the likelihood is that you you would start with Clark and try to find a partner in a flat back four. Dummett can play the left side, but Clark is the left side. I think you would probably start with, with Clark and go with Fernandez. But um you know, as far as Fernandez and Lascelles is concerned, only one of them will be capable of starting and not start two of them together. It's too suspect after the injury. So it would be probably one of them with Clark would be at the centre of the defence. And then he would presumably play Lewis ahead of um, Dummett and Matt Ritchie. You would think so. Then you'd see Hayden push back into the midfield, probably yeah, alongside Hayden. Shelby and Willock. Because we, I mean, yes. They both played Absolutely. well against Southam, didn't, didn't they? No, no, no. I don't think for one minute they'll drop out, especially as we have to change the midfield because of Hendrick with his stupid booking. So um, I, I think it'll be a simple matter of Hayden. And to be brutally truthful, if Hayden comes in for Hendrick, for me, that's improving the midfield. It's not sort of somebody standing in for Hendrick uh, as a blow because he's suspended. I think that midfield will be improved with Hayden for Hendrick. Um, so that that's fine. And then uh, Almiron's on fire at number 10 because that is the role he was built for. And then um, why Newcastle? Under the old manager, as well as Steve Bruce, we, we, we consistently played him out wide where he's not a natural winner. He won't hug the tram line. He'll try to cut inside. That now is all the play. Play him at 10 where he can go left or right. Um, and his work rate and ability shines through. He played there for Atlanta most of the time in, the, in, the, in America, and he plays there for Paraguay, and that's his best position for us. And with him and San Maximum, you've got a real chance up front. It, 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 the great sadness is that we haven't been able to cash in on them with Wilson for a period of time. Um, but we've got to get on with it and make the best of it. So it's just who goes in. Um, and, you know, I would like to see that be Gale, but uh, there's 1% of me, and I don't think either of these are likely to happen, but would like to see perhaps Fraser be able to play with Maggie in the same. But um Let's wait and see what happens. As I say, if I had a bet on it, I would probably bet on Joe Linton getting in out. But there we go. I would take that bet with you as well. I think Gale should start, but I've got a, a feeling he'll try and throw one more roll of the dice with Joe Linton. But how many uh, rolls of the dice the lad's got, I'm not too sure. We look at Chelsea then. Obviously, a new manager has come in and he's done quite well. Three wins and one drawn is his first four Premier League games. Yeah. 
you know, he is a manager with a reputation. You know, obviously he was sacked by PSG and he's replaced Frank Lampard, who he would done. I mean, look, if he'd done that job at Newcastle, many people would have been happy. What whether they were sitting eighth or ninth, I think, by the time Lampard was shown the door. Yeah, they've seen a bit of a, a new manager bounce as you always do. They're second in the form table out of the last five games, scored six, conceded one. Newcastle are down in twelfth in the form table, picking up six points out of their last five, scored seven and conceded nine. How would you see this one going? Are Chelsea a side to fear, John? Well, no, I don't think the word fear by any means because that has been Newcastle's trouble in the moment. They feared their own shadow. That's why we've been in that 10-game run we were in. There's been far too much fear with Newcastle. There's been a fear of going over the halfway line. There's been a fear of not playing with the back five in case we're exposed and teams get behind us. There's been a fear on the ball. Uh, that has been Newcastle's trouble, fear. Uh, and that is, was brilliantly taken out of them at Everton. And it was out of them first half at Southampton before events overtook them. And then they showed the other side of the coin, which was terrific resilience. And Chelsea are a decent side. The reason Frank got the pedal, and I, I do think it was harsh, and you're saying the difference if he'd done the job at Newcastle that he did at Chelsea, we would have been very pleased. But we can't lose sight of the fact Chelsea spent about uh, 300 million or 400 million in the summer mm. when Newcastle did not. And I think the fact that he, he didn't get a, t- a regular top four push out of players that it cost so much made it Bramovic, who was very uh, trigger happy anyway, uh, pull the plug. And he does that sort of thing, Abramovich, but he normally comes up with another manager that sets him off and the, the win thing, so he, he gets away with it. And there's no bigger certainty that the new manager will get the pedal. Uh, it might take a couple of years. He's actually talked about it. It might take a couple of seasons, but he will, because that's the way Abramovich is. Um, but you get a lot of compensation when you leave Chelsea and uh, you've got a few quid and another job always comes along. Uh, they are a team that will give Newcastle problems because they're in the honeymoon period with a new manager um, and they will provide problems, but they're not a team to fear they're without a shadow of doubt. And I would prefer Newcastle, through the players I talked about, Almir and uh, Sam Maximum and Willett to give them problems and to have a go at them and say, I tell you what, we're not going to come down here and and show fear and show trepidation and apologise for being alive. We are going to have a right little pop at you and these three guys can make you feel uncomfortable and we're going to have a go at doing that because in a way people think that Newcastle will lose at Chelsea. So that makes it a free swing. Let's have a go at them. Let's see if these three guys can worry them. There's a lot of pace there. There's a lot of ability there. Let us have a go at them and let us make them think instead of us being being uh, timid from the start. One of our problems this season is we've been too timid. Uh, let's banish that as we did at Everton and as we did to a great extent at Southampton, with Southampton. And let's have a pop at them. Then there's nothing to be afraid of. One hundred percent. I think that's what fans have just wanted to see all season: is that intent. Go out and try and hurt teams. And at least afterwards, if you've been beaten 
fans can still have that conversation with their friends and family. Yeah, you know, at least at least we tried, and I guess the comparison is that game earlier in the season when Newcastle were beaten by Chelsea at St James's Park, and it was just like a training ground game for Chelsea. It was embarrassing. Yes, to uh, to watch, and we really want to see a different game on Monday. And there's no reason why they can't, like you say, they've lost Wilson, but you know you've still got pace in Almiron, in St Maxman, Gill can be quite quick over a short, uh, you know, space yes. yard. So. Yeah, have a go. And we, that's we've what we got want. It, Andrew, we've got to have a pop at them. Uh, if we lose, we lose. But if we've had an effort to try to win, we are fed up with watching this Newcastle United side over the last 10, over 10 games or so before they come out of the shell of Everton of, of us losing regularly. We didn't even draw more than a couple at that time. We lost regularly and we lost by being the most timid side, we run up the white flag so easily and so quickly that we're fed up with that. Let us have a go. It was a breath of fresh air what happened at Everton. It was a breath of fresh air to see them have a go early on against Southampton and then show tremendous heart uh, when everything was stacked against them with 10 men and 9 men. Let's continue in that vein. Let's have a pop down there. Let's worry them and give them something to think about. And at least we will feel, hey, we had a little go down there. We restored our pride, etc. Go back to being timid Timothys again. And, you know, the fans will be ultra depressed and up in arms. There's no reason. Chelsea aren't that good. They're not Manchester City. Um, that is the biggest certainty of the lot. So let's have a little pop at them. Let's uh, let's get Almiron and the Saint and Willock at them. And uh, let's see what they're made of. Your score prediction then for Monday night? Uh, a difficult one because um, without Wilson to convert the chances, will we convert the chances? I would like to think that we, that we could get uh, a draw down there. We, we could win. We could win. Let's not make any doubt about that. But if we don't go about it the right way, we can easily lose as well. It's one of those knife-edge games. But I would like to think we we would end up with a 1-1. And um, I wouldn't be surprised at any of the three results, Andrew, between win, lose and draw. But I would like to think that if we unleash our forward players, that we can then get what we deserve for having the courage to do that, which is not losing. Fingers crossed, a point uh, would be something to take back, wouldn't it? It would be a positive point. Absolutely. And before we, we sign off, John, Steve Bruce today in his press conference has been speaking about abuse that he's suffered on social media. He talked about death threats, and it's absolutely vile stuff. And, you know, for all the criticism, criticism that's been laid at his door about tactics and formation and the results... You know, there is absolutely no need for that abuse to be laid at Steve Bruce through social media or through his family, is there? It's just absolutely unacceptable. Oh, absolutely horrendous. I mean, I've been critical this season uh, during the 10-game run we had where virtually all those games were lost, about formation, about uh, desire, about whether we're going down the right path, etc., etc. That is acceptable on football terms to talk about whether managers are good, bad or indifferent. That is part of football. That's what football's about. That's what fans have done from 
the first day this game was invented. But what is totally not acceptable in any shape or form is is either racial abuse or this the, the absurd, obscene, horrendous attacks on people. Uh, whether it's referees for decisions have made or managers because fans aren't liking what they can do, etc., etc. This is social media at its worst. It is trolls that are faceless and gutless having a go at personalities from the security of their own home or their own laptop. And that is not what this world's about. And this world at the moment, in a lockdown, where we all need football, etc., uh, etc., et to give us a bit of a lift, where we go around preaching, let's be kind to each other because people are locked down, they're locked in houses, let's reach out and all of branch, let's be friendly. And to produce this sort of stuff during that time, is an absolute horror. There is no excuse for it whatsoever. And Steve Bruce or anyone else does not deserve that sort of thing and should not have to put up with it. And the sooner the social media platforms try to get a grip of this and stop this, the better, because it's absolutely abhorrent and it's got no part in our game. At the end of the day, Football is entertainment. It's showbiz. It's here to entertain us. It's not life or death, and it should not produce the worst aspects in the human nature. Couldn't have said it better myself, John. Um, I guess before we do go, what I want to do is just briefly talk about Gibbo's Corner. For those who haven't listened to an episode of a kind of side platform yeah. that we do on Conical Live and everything is black and white podcast. Can you just tell listeners what it's all about and why you think they should type in Gibbo's Corner into Google and they'll find all the episodes there. We've done quite a few, but yeah, what, what's it all about? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's terrific fun for me and because of my long association with Newcastle, which is like cradle to grave in terms of being a fan and brought up as a fan as a kid, but it's 54 years and broken service with the Chronicle covering Newcastle United and being privileged to cover them from the inside and be on the inside of so many stories. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful time. And I, I, I just realised uh, at one stage of my career um, in the last three or four years that, well, look, there were so many stories that happened at the time that weren't written because they were behind the scenes. They were, but they're so revealing on fun stories, on revealing the aspects of uh, thinking that happened before great occasions, whether they're FA Cup finals or winning a European trophy or whatever. There was fun stories in giving insight to people uh, about what happened in those in those days. And we all love reminiscing. We all love our memories. All football fans do. And it's been argued that that's what mainly what Newcastle United fans have got to, to grow up with because we don't win trophies, but we provide wonderful memories. And... Um, it, it came out of that, and I was suddenly realised that there were so many stories to be told and, and, and such an insight to give because I've been in a privileged position where I've seen 
the thinking of all the great stars we've had from from Jackie Milburn up through Supermark to Alan Shearer and Beardsley and Ginola and all the, the managers with Harvey and Keegan and um, and uh, Bobby Robson and all the managers that were failures too that produced fabulous stories. And um, it's just fun to tell. I mean, the, the lovely thing that's been a bonus for me is that the fans seem to uh, enjoy them because whatever I do them on a stage in the social clubs before the lockdown happened or I do them with the Chronicle online, uh, they go down exceptionally well and uh, I'm chuffed for that and I love uh, storytelling. It's uh, it, it, it's part of life for me. Part of what I enjoy about football is to tell stories and luckily other people seem to enjoy them when you and I do them and therefore... Gibbers Corners flourished and hopefully uh, we've managed to keep it going, Andrew, through lockdown and hopefully it'll go for a little while yet as long as my memory's there to come up with all the things. Fingers crossed. We'll be planning our next one very soon. And if you do need a break from what is quite a troubling time at the moment, just search Gibbers Corner from wherever you get your platforms from, uh, podcasts from rather, and I'll recommend one. I was looking back, and we've got Gibbo's Craziest Moments covering Newcastle United, which is a brilliant one, and the Nearly Men of Newcastle United as well, from uh, Brian Clough to Graham Souness, the people who nearly joined Newcastle United. Well worth a listen. John, as always, we appreciate you popping on to the podcast. I hope you're keeping well. Not at all. I'm fine, and uh, I hope I'm feeling even better after Monday night. <laughs> don't we all and to you guys listening we appreciate as always please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast God bless thanks a lot